And so we've been um, we've been learning about um, the crucifixion. Just uh, man, how just how terrible the things, the sin of this world is what it was that Jesus just went through for us and took on Himself. Um, as I said, we're we're at the end of the gospel here of Mark, and and um, man, it's just been it's just been crazy to me, even studying this out and and just talking about it as we go through it of just how brutal it was physically. I got to be honest with you guys, the mental side of what they put Jesus through in that, I think it tears me up worse. You know, I mean, they just, I mean, they really just tore him down just mentally, just destroyed him in every way they could think of. And that's what, that's what sin does. That's what, that's what we got to deal with every day coming at us wave after wave outside of Christ. Um, where Rory, you know, he left off with this centurion, man, I'm going to read to you um, a commentary that I read about that, just to kind of, to lead right into what we're going to learn about today. And and um, it's the part where the centurion man, after seeing seeing all this stuff, he um, he says, truly this is the was the Son of God. So the centurion saw Jesus... For who he was and is a picture of all who come to Jesus through the cross. At the cross, people saw that Jesus was the Son of God. And this fulfilled Jesus' promise that he said in John chapter 12, verse 32, where he said, If I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. Okay, this is, a, this is an important historical event that we're learning about. We've all, we all know it, right? Like we've all heard it and he was crucified and he was um uh he was resurrected and, and that's just awesome but it's in, it's important to know why do we need to know that why do we need to know you know how this works and why it went well you know as christians we believe it but the world doesn't and so when we are out evangelizing because that's our job is the great commission to tell the world about jesus you know, a question that will come up is, why do bad things happen to good people? I don't believe there's a God, this loving God you talk about, because, you know, that doesn't make sense to me, the world would say. And so as Christians, we need to have this solid foundation of being able to answer that question, because that's a tough question. What, you know, why does it happen? Some of us, maybe that aren't uh, quite, I don't want to say like, learned enough in in the bible might say well it's because of our sin well we don't want to make this impression that like okay because because courtney was sinning this happened to her i mean yes that 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 stuff could absolutely happen but it's it's really just the end of it is just it's the simple fact of sin because they would say all right but she's old enough to make her own decisions you know so she chooses this stuff explain to me christian how does a one-year-old child get brain cancer and die that one-year-old or an infant they didn't have, they weren't making choices to do things wrong to get that could we answer that question that's a tough one someone asks you that what do you what do you say so one of the ways one of many but one of the ways is right here what we're learning about and that's why it's important we know this 
Because the proof, the infallible proof, the evidence that Jesus died is very important because he had to truly die. And then also the, the part of him resurrecting is, is the real key to this deal. It's a bigger deal than the cross. Because the fact that we can prove that he truly raised from the dead... And he means truly God. He is truly Jesus, who, who the Bible says he is. Now we can rewind and say, now we know from Genesis to Revelation to today, it's true because we can prove Jesus is who he says he was. He truly died and he truly rose from the grave. So it just, his death is the part we're keying in on here and it solidifies the truths of the Bible. So that's, what, that's why we need to know this. This needs to be part of our foundation as a Christian. To know why. We, we, can, we can show this. Now it is up to the critics, right? To make that choice to search it out or not. But if they do, all the evidence is there. We're even going to get to see some awesome stuff where it's literally just here in the Bible. Next week we'll get into some amazing things where like the smartest minds of the world have went out to prove it and actually turned to Christianity because they couldn't disprove it. Going at it with a true, like, gray area. Like, I just want to know, is it true or false? But there's, a, there's an awesome part in here where we get to see it right here. We don't, we don't even have to go to those stories. So let's get into it. Verse 40. There were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and Joseph and Salem who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Now, right here, this sticks out to me. Um, I listened to a lot of commentaries and sermons as I was studying, and, um, and it's, it's fine. Some touched on it and some didn't. But it, it instantly, when I read this, I was like, okay, it's in the Bible for a reason. It made the cut of being in the book. But So what's the significance of these, these women looking on? to um, all this that's happening. And so in, look what it says there in verse 41, where it says, ministered to him, to Jesus. And I was saying like, wait a minute, Jesus ministered to the people. What do you mean these gals ministered to Jesus? Well, so you look it up and in the Hebrew, the word minister means to serve, servant, service. Okay, and then you look it up in the Greek, which I think this is awesome because like in different contexts, you can, like these Greek and Hebrew, it can mean a lot of different things. But listen to what, it, what a, a lot of the meanings, the majority of the meanings were in the Greek was, <coughs> excuse me, unto, serve, servant, deacon, nourishment, labor for, give, bring, show. Okay, so we're kind of painting this picture of why he's saying that these women ministered to Jesus, to Him. And finally, we get to see right here that in, in this section, in this time of history, we get to see the most faithful disciples Jesus had at the time. They're revealed right here, aren't they? They were the female followers. Where are all the other disciples right now when this is happening? They're all hiding in a house somewhere with a door lock, scared of, for their lives. John was the only one that wasn't. He was at the foot of the cross when, and Jesus um, cried out to him about 
take care of his mother and, and all that. But the rest of them, they were all hiding out. I'm going to read to you. I read this and I just, I thought it was awesome out of, um, Courtney argues with me. I think it's J.C. Riley, but maybe it's Ryle. Alan? I've heard you say Riley before. So let's go with Riley. You're out. <laughs> Courtney, you're out. Alan said Riley, it's Riley. That's enough. Okay. You can go sit in the hall. Okay. So I'm gonna read it to you. And you guys, I think this awesome part, it's about these these women, and um it's, you know, it's just like if you look in this, it's just a blip of this. But maybe it would be encouraging to women. I, it could be encouraging to us as men if we got the wrong idea, but I just this is well said the way JC Riley says it. So he said in his commentary, we should hardly have the expected, I'm sorry, we should hardly have expected to have reached such things. We might well have supposed that when all the disciples but one had forsaken our Lord and fled, the weaker and the more timid sex would not have dared to show themselves his friends. It only shows us what grace can do. God sometimes chooses the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. The last are sometimes first and the first last. The faith of women sometimes stands upright when the faith of men fails and gives way. But it is interesting to remark throughout the New Testament how often we find the grace of God glorified in women and how much benefit God has been pleased to confer through them on the church and on the world. In the Old Testament, we see sin and death brought by the woman's transgression. In the New, we see Jesus born of a woman and like and and life and immortality brought to light by the miraculous birth. In the Old Testament, we often see woman, women proving a hindrance and a snare to men. The women before the flood, the, the histories of Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Delilah, Bathsheba, Jezebel, are all painful examples. Now in the New Testament, we generally see women mentioned as a help and assistance to the cause of true religion. Elizabeth, Mary, Martha, Dorcas, Lydia, and the woman named by St. Paul to the Romans are all cases in point. The contrast is striking, and we need not doubt intentional. It is one of the many proofs that grace is more abundant under the gospel than under the law. It seems meant to teach us that women have an important place in the church of Christ. That stuck in my mind just because personally, I just, I know several, you know, households where, and and this can definitely does go the other way, but just personally, I know more where the women are just like, in for the Lord and searching for the Lord and the, the husband's not, you know, and it's just this, man, it's just this pull on women and you see it when you talk to them and it just, I mean, it really drags them down and they're just, and again, it shows how like how faithful these women are. Like women are tougher every day of the week than men are today. Like they really are. They're harder workers, all these things. But we, I, I just see this and it's just like, I think it's encouragement to women to just like, man, just keep praying. 
Just keep praying for your husband. Keep praying for your dad or keep praying, you know, whatever it is. And this is, don't get me wrong, this is the same the other way. This happens where um, the wife is not involved in the church maybe and, and the man is. But you guys get the point. Just like, we're going to get to see this where this is just incredible. Just stay at it. It's awesome. Let's go on to verse 42. Now, we, when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, this is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God coming and taking courage, went to Pilate and asked him for the body of Jesus. Okay, you guys, this is interesting. This guy was part of the Sanhedrin. It said right there, a prominent council member. Okay, we read this account in John chapter 19, verse 38, where he says, talking about Joseph, says, being a disciple of Jesus, but part of the Sanhedrin. This Don't forget the Sanhedrin, we just, like, they're the ones that tried him the first three times before they had to send him to the Roman council to be tried. Okay? So, the day, the night that all this happened, that he was tried by the Sanhedrin, he must have been sick that night. He didn't show up, right? Because it says he's a, he's a disciple of Jesus. He must have took the day off. He wasn't there because he clearly didn't say anything or speak up when all this, when Jesus was being tried by the Sanhedrin. Well, that's not the case at all, right? Uh, he was there. He was on the board when Jesus was sentenced and he just, he said nothing. John's account says in that part, it says to finish the more complete, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly. This is, this is a word for all of us today. We're either non-believers or believers that we think we're not believers, but we think we are or true believers today. This, this, this applies right here. All Jesus's friends betrayed him. All of them. Even this guy that was that was a follower, he in that act of not standing up for Jesus in there, he he betrayed him. So this is a good question to ask ourselves. Let's not miss this question. It's better late than never. The question is, are we like that? Are we silent for Jesus when we should be bold? You know, I could say myself as a Christian today that I that I am I am saved under the blood of Jesus, I still fall short in these things, right? So it is better late than never, no question. It is better late than never. This guy was late. He had a chance at the council. Maybe it would have made a difference. You know, obviously God had a plan, so no, it wouldn't have. But, you know, he should have spoke up, but he didn't. But let's not wait. Let's, Let's not be late for Jesus. Let's be on time when it comes to being bold for Jesus. With our family, with our friends, with people we don't know, for all the nations, let's be bold. We have something to learn here. You know, just really fast, I wasn't going to touch on this, but I can't help it. Backing up not too, not, not too much, you know, before this, in Luke's account, when, when Jesus is on the cross and he has the two robbers on both sides, in Luke's account, it, shows, it, it shares with us the part where the, where the robbers... The one robber is rebuking the other one. One of them saying, 
you know, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, get us down from here. And the other robber looks at him and says like, hey, who are, do you not even believe in God? We're up here. We deserve it. And this guy doesn't deserve it. You know, and so, and then he says, I'm super paraphrasing, but right. He says like, remember me. And Jesus says, you'll be with me today in heaven, in paradise, right? Okay, so that's the only time in the entire Bible where there is a, what they call a um, last minute conversion, deathbed conversion, on his deathbed converting. Like we hear about that now, like someone has cancer, is dying, and like I had an aunt just recently that this was the case, a deathbed conversion. She's on her deathbed and she converted, okay? But it's the only time in the Bible for a reason, because it's not promoted, it's not a good idea. The same way right here, like we don't want to be like this guy, Joseph, that didn't speak up. And I mean, he did come forward and he did do the right thing as we'll get into here. That's great. But let's not be that. Let's, let's, let's be for Jesus right now. See, I ran it on there. Now I lost my place. I wasn't going to do that. Um, okay, so in um, verse 43 there, we see how, how Joseph, he's taking courage, it says, right? And he came to um, Pilate and he asked for the body, uh, asked for the body of Jesus. Jesus. And you got to remember that he had to take courage there because he was identifying himself with a traitor to Rome. That's who Jesus was to the Romans. That's why they, they crucified him. Now let's get back to Jesus on the cross. He's still on the cross right now. So Pilate, in verse 44, so Pilate marveled that he was already dead and summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. So Pilate was surprised here because normally they would, they would live for a while. They were made, this, this crucifixion that um, the Romans perfected, they were made to stay alive like to the point of like birds coming and eating them, you know, and they were just left on the cross. And so Pilate's surprised. He's like, what? This guy's already dead? But here's the little blip that is, that is really awesome that we get to see the information is right here in the Bible of the truth that Jesus truly, truly died. Okay, without, like I said, next week we'll get into some really awesome stuff, I think, that, um, that just like people setting out to prove it. But here we have the proof right here. Let's look at it. Because the centurion that, that Pilate sent to investigate to make sure that he was dead... This was his job. He supervised these crucifixions, right? That's, that's his job. And you can imagine this military setting of the Romans, like you did your job or you were dead. That was how it was this military order, right? And so he's going to know. He's seen thousands of people die. Like he's good at his job. He's the supervisor of, of these crucifixions. So he goes and he looks and he comes back and he's like, yeah, he's dead. So think about this part, though. Pilate wouldn't let, none of the Romans, they wouldn't let these guys off of the cross, anybody, if they weren't 100% for sure they're dead. Think about it. This was a spectacle to say, they, the Persians invented, invented this, but the reason the Romans like executed it so well and made it even worse is because they're constantly trying to set this, this tone, like, you mess with us, we're the worst of the worst. You don't want to mess with us. Okay, so think about that when... They're gonna not. They're not gonna let somebody off of the cross that isn't completely dead. Because what would that look like when he's alive and 
see him on the street the next day. Their credibility, their like, their power, it just it would be, go away. So like, we have right here, uh, just absolutely awesome evidence. Jesus was dead, for sure. People have come up with all kinds of crazy theories. This, have you guys heard of the swoon theory? I think Dustin made it up, but different Dustin. Um, so the swoon theory is that Jesus passed out, and they put him in the tomb. And a couple days of being in the tomb, you know, it's nice and cool in there because it's in a rock. You know, it's in a cave. And um, he wakes up. He was just passed out. He wakes up, and he, um, you know, like I was thinking when I was reading this, I was thinking like, I don't know if you guys have seen the Die Hard movie where like one of the Die Hards where they're like tied to some cable and he slid down the cable and you know the main guy in Die Hard he has a sliver of cable in his arm and he pulls it out with his teeth and spits it into his buddy's hands and his buddy hand like undoes himself from the and they get out they get out from the deal like that's this is a swim theory right this is probably how it happened Jesus is in there he, he was on the movie Die Hard and had a cable in his arm and he pulled out to got, get out of all the his linens wrapped up like he was able to escape it. And then, you know, he grabs this two-ton rock that they put over the door, and he moves it out of the way. And, I mean, yes, he literally was whipped with those deal scourges that ripped his muscle off of his bones, like pulled the muscle off, literally, where guts would hang out. Even though that happened, he had two days to heal. So he had, and he was... I mean, he was up all night, but healing in a cool tomb, he had all the energy in the world to move this two-ton stone and then whip every single Roman guard that was sitting outside and get away. This is the swoon theory. Dustin's theory. I mean, could could have been. No, look, I mean, this, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. He was dead. All right, we got that. Let's go to 46. Verse 46. Then he bought fine linen, this is Joseph, took, it, took him down and wrapped him in the linen. And he laid him, at, oh, and he laid him in a tomb which, he had, which had been hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph observed where he, had laid, where he was laid. Okay, here's these faithful women again. They're still hanging out. They're still watching what's going on. They're still just indistraught and heartbroken that the Messiah is dead, right? Okay, so the, you're just picturing this as they see him take Joseph, or Jesus in there and roll the the um, the rock in front of the tomb and, and leave. And seeing all the Roman guards around, standing guard outside, they put their seal on it so they know that no one would break in there. And, and um, they were clearly they're losing hope. And that's understandable. But let's talk real quick about this tomb. It's a rock hillside. They carved out a little cave in there. The opening was like really small, like the size of this podium maybe or something. It wasn't big like a door because people don't go in and out. You go in a tomb and you're dead and you stay there. And they would have like the rock that would, they would go down to cover the tomb. It would be on like a little hillside because of this heavy rock. Gravity would help them move it down to cover it. And then you can imagine trying to open it, you have to go back uphill. It would be very hard to do. Okay. And so the interesting thing is, it's a bummer, is you had Jesus telling these women, telling the disciples, hey, I'm going to be 
resurrected on the third day, you'd think they would be sitting there waiting, wouldn't they? Like, but they just didn't get it. They didn't believe it completely. They just, their minds weren't understanding it. And I feel like we can do that sometimes. We can, when we're going through hard times or we're going through stuff, like our, our brothers and sisters of Christ will come and say, oh, but remember the story of Job, right? This is, is it Job? Went through all the bad stuff, his family died and all Yeah. I read the Bible a lot. <laughs> I'm a really good reader. Uh, you know, and so we go to, we comfort our brothers and sisters in Christ with that stuff and, and we're just kind of quick to like, yeah, I know that's the story and I, yeah, I know I should draw something from that, but I just, I don't want it right now. You know, we've, we've been there, we do that, we see that. But man, this stuff is in here to really get our attention it really happened. The Lord, it made the cut to be in the Bible. So the Lord, so Lord gave it to us so that we would have something to like draw from, to, to realize that all this stuff is going to come out in the end for his glory. It's worth my pain and suffering, whatever's happening. So let's go on into, into chapter 16 here in verse one. It just kind of carries through. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salem, bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the last or sorry, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. Okay, so at this point, the Sabbath is over. When Joseph took Jesus, it was during the Sabbath. Okay? So it's the first day they can go and do stuff. So when Joseph took him, like on the Sabbath, everything shuts down. So you can imagine like him getting the spices and all the stuff together probably wasn't, it was kind of like a hurry deal, get it done. And it, it clearly it wasn't done right or to what they thought it should be. So these women come to do the, the proper burial rituals rituals. And which as far as like the the um as far as the um oh the spices and stuff, like simply put, it was just because the rotting bodies stink. You know, that's why they kicked all these spices on them to, just to, to keep the smell down. So they're they're coming up there and they're wondering, well how how will we move this big stone? And they're probably thinking, you know, well, there's guards there. We, we've been watching this whole thing. <coughs> We're just a couple women. They'll probably help us. They shouldn't feel, you know, threatened by us. Um, maybe that we'll even talk them into moving it for us. And then it was even, it was common that the Romans would show mercy or something and they would give, um, they would give the Jews back the, the bodies for proper burial. So it was actually common that these women would be going up there and, and to do this and thinking that the Romans would help them in. And then, um, and what does it say there though? In verse four, it said, um, it says when they came up to look, the stone had already been rolled away. Right. So they were clearly expecting him to be in there. They weren't expecting him to be gone. 
you know, and that's just kind of, I got ahead of my notes there. So anyways, let's talk about the, the, the stone being rolled away when they get there. So obviously we read that and we're picturing it. We're thinking, well, yeah, because Jesus came out. That's why it was rolled away. Okay, back to this foundation of understanding these truths that are infallible and the proof that's right here in the Bible of it is the stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus to come out. He's God. He can walk through walls if he wants. He gets people out of prison with no guards knowing. We know those parts of the Bible, right? So why would, like, what's the deal? It's so that someone, an eyewitness would go in there and look and see someone, so, so people could go in. Not so Jesus could come out. It was just for more infallible evidence. Okay, it was, it was for these eyewitnesses. One eyewitness is obviously better than a hundred ear witnesses, like, you know, the sit in a cup in a circle and say something by the time it gets around it's wrong. So eyewitnesses. So it's just God's sovereign plan is amazing here of every single detail. In verse 5 going on, it says, And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. So you can imagine these, these women are like, hey, you're not Jesus. So they're probably thinking automatically, you know, like, where, where is he? What did you guys do with him? You know, give him to us. And we know from the other Gospels that this, this young man sitting there is an angel. Okay? In verse 6 it says, But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. So again, look. Look for yourself. I'm not just going to tell you he's not here. Look, he's not here. Okay? But here's some awesome stuff in this part right here, you guys. If you can wake up and pay attention, do it. Because let's look at the contrast of the was, what Jesus was, and what he is. He was crucified. He's dead. No question, right? We've proved it. Rory talked last week about the, the, the spear into his heart and the heart cavity and the water that comes out of that. It's proven. That's what he was. Now let's look at what the is. He is risen. It said it right there. This is our foundation as Christians, right? That he rose from the grave. This is the pillar of the Christian life. So what was he? He was crucified for our sin. Standing in for us as a guilty sinner that was not guilty. Because he took our sin, we get his righteousness. That's what he did on the cross. That's the was. Now let's look at what the, what the is. Look, see what the is is in verse 6. He is risen. He is alive right now, today, Polina. Right now. He's interceding for us. He's loving his people. He's directing the church. 
right now. So let's apply that today, to us today. This applies to me very easy. This whole thing does, to be honest with you guys, because it was a it was a sermon Rory gave a long time ago when I got saved, and it was it was a Easter Sunday, but it was on this, and it was just like, man, it was it's just incredible, like just worldly. You can't get around this. So it hits me. So applying this today, you know, Joe was a sinner on a, in the fast lane to hell, for sure, no question. But today, I'm not. I totally want to say, and today I is. (laughs) But I'm on the is side of things today, right? In 1 John chapter 3, John tells us, by practicing righteousness, we are righteous as he is righteous. Don't forget it says practicing righteousness. But nevertheless, we are righteous. Let the was be crucified with Jesus. Let the, let the, the garbage in our life, let it be crucified with Jesus and, and run to him. Let it be dead. Give it up. Cut it off. Remember at the end of verse six, where it says, "Remember the," um, where it says the, sorry, "Remember the stone being rolled away for someone to go in, not for Jesus to come out." Do you guys remember that part we just talked about? In the end of verse six, that's where he says, "See the place where they laid him." So Jesus' crucifixion, you guys, was the price he paid for our sins, right? We know that. We hear that. We know that. The resurrection is the receipt. Think about that. Put that. That that, that should hit our mind a little easier to grasp onto. The receipt. It's the proof that he is God and his word is true. It's proof that we can trust him. The all-knowing God that is in complete control, is completely sovereign. The receipt solidifies the Bible. Now I'm going to finish today's message with um, verse 7 and 8 here. And it's continuing on on what the angel tells, um, what the angel tells them. And so in verse 7 it says, But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you in Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Right there at the end of verse 8, man, they messed this up. Because they said, go and tell them. And then right here in verse 8 it says, they told nobody. And they said nothing to anybody. No, they didn't mess that up at all, you guys. They, it was one of these moments of just, like, you have two people, you see something crazy happen, and you turn around and leave, and you can't say anything to each other because your jaw's on the ground. You're like, what just happened? You know, like, that's what was happening here. It wasn't that they didn't tell anybody. 
They're just in complete awe. Thing I would imagine, you guys, things are coming together that they've learned from Jesus over time. They're like, light bulb, I get it. He's a resurrected. They just were speechless. I would say worship team come up as we close here, but I guess we got to move everything, so we'll just finish. So hopefully you guys are paying attention and you're wondering, well, what about in verse 7 when it says, tell the disciples and Peter? I find that interesting. Some people say that, well, Peter denied Jesus. He wasn't really a disciple. Well, that's not right. We know that from the rest of the Bible moving forward. You know, there's some religions that put all their emphasis on Peter. And so, oh, no, they're, they're calling him out specifically because Peter is like pretty much God and can change the word of God. He has the authority to do that. We know that's not true either. You guys think about this, and this can apply today too, I think, is that could you imagine how Peter's feeling right now? The guy that was spouting off saying, I will never forsake you. I will, I will die for you. And Jesus even tells him, no, no, you will. And he's like, no, I won't argue with Jesus. And then he does. Right? So specifically speaking to Peter, hey, and make sure you tell Peter. And as we go on, we're going to see where, where Jesus comes to Peter when he, um, before he ascends. And he says, Peter, feed my sheep. You know, Peter, do you love me? Those questions. It's the same, the same situation right here. Go tell Peter, don't jump off that cliff. I love him. So think about that. I like It hit home to me when I read that because I think of how many times I've heard the Holy Spirit say, don't do it, Joe. Don't do it, Joe. Don't do it, Joe. And Joe just said, yeah, I hear you, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it. The same way Peter did. But God calls to us the same way. Personally, calls to us, Joe, I know you, I'm calling you personally because I know you heard me, but you still chose Self and sin. But I still love you. Come back. Right? That's what we get to see in that part of it. That's simply what he's going after. This, this angel's telling these women to talk to the disciples and Peter. So we'll stop there. We got, we'll finish up the rest or hopefully the rest maybe the, um, next week. And um, let's just pray.